Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year, why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com. Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business, too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simplytoimpress.com. Recently, I've seen on social media, you guys are really killing it right now, but how are you able to adapt to it right out of the gate when uh, when COVID hit back in March? Oh, we just had to make a, a few adjustments, you know what I'm saying? Well, we uh, had to learn to start uh, wearing the mask, of course, right. not being around so many people, social distance, and uh, just not being around huge crowds and, you know, staying in a little bit more. Yeah, so that. <laughs> So you guys got the, uh, the the free Thanksgiving community thing coming up. I think it's on Monday, right? The 23rd of November. Yeah. What's that going to entail? What's what's going on with that? Well, that's something that me and my brother, we put together and we're teaming up with a couple of local, uh, local artists, guys. Uh, I think Slump Dog, and we're giving away free meals to the community. You know, we like to give back. We have Burns Barbecue, and they that community really help, keeps us going. So we like to give back and show our appreciation for, uh, you know, them helping us out. I mean, that's pretty sweet, man. And, and obviously with 15 uh, 01 certified entertainment, you got obviously the four-time All-Star. That, that's how I know you growing up, a nine-year-old kid with the, with the Rays, Red Sox, and Dodgers. But now you're in the music industry. Um, was it always your plan to do that after you retired, or was it more of a spontaneous? You, know, you always notice athletes always kind of diddle with the uh, play with the uh, entertainment industry. So I was always looking at it from afar. I'm from Houston, so the culture is big here for the hip hop community. So um, I had a chance to dive in it, and I took the chance, and um, you know, here we are now. How, how late in your career did you kind of formulate that in your head? Like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is going to be the plan moving forward. Pretty much like, you know, around about when I was probably get ready to retire. You know, I thought about it while I was, like, in my 20s, but it was, like, something that I really take serious. Then once I started getting closer to retirement, uh, I was trying to figure out some, a couple things that I wanted to do, and that was one of them. Wow. So you thought about that for like well over a decade then, if, if that came into your mind um, yeah. in your 20s. Like what inspired you on the music side to want to pursue that at such a young age? Because we had, you know, here in Houston, like I said, the, the culture is rich here, you know. So from guys like from Rapala having their own uh, indie company, from Swisher House, from SUC Click, we have some legendary uh, independent uh, labels that come out of Houston, and then I just, I just felt like it was time, and I could, and I was able, to, I had the resources to, you know, kind of repeat history again. 
Wow. So what do you think is the biggest difference now that you've kind of uh, dipped your toes in both industries, uh, being a major league baseball player in the professional sports industry and now in the music industry, my, my brother just moved to Nashville. He, he's an aspiring musician himself and he's kind of learning the ways uh, of record labels and connecting with people. And it's, it's a totally different ball game, I'm sure, because looking from it from like an outsider's perspective on the music industry, I'm sure there's a lot more chaos uh, on the inside. And I'm sure you've learned that along the way. It's way different. It's like night yeah. and day. Everything is a little more structured in sports, you know, period. You know what I'm saying? You know this, there's that. And in and, and, and music, it's the opposite. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. You kind of just got to keep working hard in hopes of something to happen. You know, more like in sports, we know if we train, we work hard, we know we might have a good season, you know. So that's not always the case here in music. And you just never know what could happen. Things can switch a drop of a dime, you know. It's just... It's, it's a little more tedious than, than than playing sports. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I came to it because I had a passion for it like I had sports. And I only feel like I could do things that I have a real passion for. So this is, you know, why, why I jumped in. How, how early on were you making connections to launch the label? Like as soon as uh, you retired, it, it came out uh, fairly quick, 2018. How, uh, yeah. how long were you formulating this with people that you're connected I, to? I kind of knew about that I wanted to do it around 2009, 2010. I kind of got the idea of think of that I actually wanted to do it for real. So, and uh, I knew a guy that, uh, that was kind of, kind of in the, you know, already. And, um, and so I used him to kind of get started. And, uh, you know, because those type of people are hard to come by when you're trying to get in the music. It's so hard to get in when you're an outsider. So it's like you have to know somebody and get you in, and then you kind of just start from right there. That's what happened with me. And obviously being a pro athlete, there's the discipline factor, self-discipline on, on top of uh, being a coachable player. What's the, the discipline factor when it comes to the music industry and the record label? Again, t totally well, yeah, I, I, I just applied the same type of uh, things that I applied to baseball for is just outworking everybody, working hard, you know, trying to be on time, trying to be professional, things like that. Be dedicated to, to what I'm doing and, 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 you know, just try to try to pretty much, you know, um, show that, you know, when you add, you know, like when you don't have as much talent and you work hard, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I tried to apply to this right here. Just try to be the hardest worker. Since I knew I'm gonna get I'm gonna get judged for being an athlete and coming outside, I wanted to leave no reasons for why I'm here, you know. So like nobody gave nothing to me or nothing like that. Yes, I had my own money to start with, but you know, uh, everything else I worked hard for. Is, is there a little bit of criticism there? Like you said, like jumping into it, you said you already had the money to start it. Like when you're, you're trying to prove yourself a, a, as a record label uh, owner and CEO, did you find it difficult? People don't understand why would you want to come do this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, why would you want to come here? The people that like from baseball, they'll probably say, why would you want to do that? Go yeah. to that. Whatever. Then the people that's there will be like, the people in music, they say, well, you was already good over there. Why are you coming over here trying to take more from us when you already got this? So they don't understand that it's just something that you personally want to do. It has nothing to do with any one of those things. Just the fact that you want to show that you can do something else. You retire from baseball. I don't want to just take my chances on something that I don't feel like I could do. I took my chances on something that I felt like I probably could accomplish too. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a character thing for you and you're trying and to build that. How difficult do you think it's been uh, kind of recruiting slash finding talent 
to build those relationships with in the music world? Because like you said, like it's chaotic, it could be toxic at times. How, how difficult or easy do you think it's been building and maintaining some of those relationships with your musicians? Uh, well, the thing is, you know, being new, I had somebody that was kind of new people already, a little plug. So he, I get introduced to a lot of people slowly but surely. But even then, you know, me being a baseball player, you know, with my own money, you know, that's kind of intimidating to the music business a little yeah. bit. So they don't, they might meet you and they might not want to meet you. And even if they do, they kind of brush you off. So you have to just kind of like, uh, just be yourself. And, you know, the people you come across, if it's genuine, you know, make a relationship with those people. If it's not, keep moving on and, and just, you know, until you get to where you're trying to go and accomplish what you're trying to do. What's the biggest thing that you guys are working on right now? Like, what's the biggest thing you're trying to accomplish right now with Certified Entertainment? Well, we're trying to break our new artist, Erica Banks, you know what I'm saying? Right. She's a new artist. She's doing well, you know, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of controversy here with this, with our label right now because of our other artists that we have. And, um, you know, so it's a little tough on her right now, but she's able to fight through it and she's been doing well. And we got another couple of other artists that we want to sign to as well. I mean, that we have, or we're about to sign to the label. And um, so coming into the next year, we got a couple of new artists that we're going to be showing out to everybody. How many names uh, did it take, like in a sense of like, how long did it take before, you know, like the Erica Bankses of the world and some of those bigger name talents uh, came on your label and we mentioned that trust factor. How long did it take for you? Yeah. That so, so I retired in 2016, got right to work, you know what I'm saying? And just, you know, signed people right there. So from 2016 and 17, we just was signing and recording really. And those were people, mostly people from local, uh, local people around the city, but um, as the, as people saw, you know, even even with Megan, she was local too as well. So pretty much all my talent came from just being like local. I haven't had a chance to get like somebody that was already big and buzzing to my label. We are the guys who kind of start everybody up from nothing and bring you up, and then you kind of be that person. But now that we are doing, you know, with Erica coming on strong, people can see that you know we have we are a label that can build an artist and, um, you know, could take on those heavy-duty jobs that might come our way. <laughs> Do you have a dream musician that you'd like to collaborate with? Man, I think, you know, um, a dream musician. Um, I guess I guess I'm just don't have, like, my a favorite artist, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And then, you know, the, um, Megan Thee Stallion is our artist. She marked with, like, Beyonce and stuff like that. So that's pretty much like a... Like the um, you know, it's 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 you don't get no bigger than that. So right. So growing up in Houston, who did you grow up uh, listening to? Like, who was your music inspiration? I, I grew up listening to uh, Scarface, yeah. Kim, uh, I mean, UGK. You know what I'm saying? You know, Slim Thug is from our uh, from outside, Mike Jones. Uh, but pretty much all all the Houston legends, Southside, Fat Pat. Um, Big Pokey, all those kind of guys, you know what I'm saying? SUC, Click, you know, grew up listening. I pretty much grew up listening to everything around Houston, but I didn't even understand that it was out-of-town rappers or East Coast rappers and stuff like that, other than Tupac, maybe, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel that. And obviously, yeah. with 1501 uh, Certified Entertainment right now, you guys got a ton going on. You got the Thanksgiving dinner on Monday. I wanted to uh, switch gears to, obviously, your baseball career. Like I said, I was... Eight, nine years old, growing up in New Jersey, big-time Yankee fan. You with the Rays, giving us a ton of problems uh, on the base paths. Uh, growing up in Houston, though, 
How competitive was it? Like, what was the instinct factor that took over that drive that made you think, like, okay, I'm uh, above all the rest here. I definitely stand out in a way where I can make it to the next level. Um, for baseball, yeah, I, I played all three sports in high school. I played, you know, I, um, you know, I made all Texas team in every sport. You know, so wow. baseball was just one of the things that it, when it's time to play baseball, it's time to play baseball. You know, so I never even played a full season of high school baseball until my senior year. Uh, because I had to play basketball, we'll go to the playoffs and uh, stuff like that. Football, going to baseball, so I just knew I was a good athlete, you know. And I just knew it wasn't too many athletes that could do, you know, the stuff that I could do. So um, once I saw Chip Ambers get drafted the year before me, I knew I was going to baseball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was no doubt in my mind. It was the summer before with my junior year. I think I got drafted by the Marlins, and when I when I saw that. Uh, my mind was made up that I was I was going to play baseball. <laughs> Interesting. And and being a, a Texas boy playing football, is it as big of a deal as everybody says it is uh, in Texas playing high school football? But you know, like everybody take like you know, guys like if you got size or anything, the coaches will just come around and tell you, you know, you got to play football. So football is huge deal. You know, um, I had a lot of fun playing with. I signed with Nebraska out of high school, so um, you know. It's just one of those deals where you know, baseball took over, made the right choice. But, I, I, you know, football in Texas is always fun. So so getting drafted in baseball, like you were a kid, 17, eight years, or 18 years old, and you saying uh, obviously starting baseball at such a late age in high school. Uh, was, it, was it over? I didn't start baseball late. I'm saying like during the season. I started playing baseball when I was young. But I'm right. saying when I High school, I could never play the full season, you know what I'm saying, because I had to wait for basketball to be over with. Okay, <laughs> you know? I got you there. And yeah. when you get drafted at such a young age, was it a culture shock for you? Was it overwhelming at first, uh, getting to the Devil Rays organization at such a young age? I mean, yeah, it was It was kind of, you know, but like I said, I was kind of ready to go. Like I said, I saw Chip Embers. Um, I saw Chip Embers get drafted the year before. I, then I saw I saw Rashard Lewis. He was in high school a year, you know, in basketball. Go to the NBA out of high school. So I was kind of, I was ready to go. <laughs> so we, a few years, fast forward a few years, you get drafted or selected, I should say, to your first All Star game in '04, and right. it's at Minute Maid Park in Houston. How surreal was that week for you? Like all the festivities leading up to the game. I'm yeah. sure your family was there. That was, that was actually, I couldn't believe it, you know, because I was so young and I didn't think I had a chance at making the All-Star team such a young age. So I just worked real hard for three months. When I knew it was in Houston before the season started, and I was just like, man, I know that's such a long shot right there. But, you know, I would never say nothing about it. But in my mind, I knew I wanted to go, you know what I'm saying? I just worked as hard as I could. And, uh, you know, me and my head coach, we worked every day hard. And next thing you know, next um, I got selected, so. So in your early years, who would you say was your biggest uh, mentor, inspiration, either from a coaching staff or a veteran presence? You know, um, I mean, believe it or not, you know, I looked up to Lou Pinella a lot. He was our uh, first manager. You know, it was just his whole mentality. I know it was tough, but, you know, we took that with us, you know, the toughness, not want to lose, and um, just, just respecting the game and playing hard and stuff like that. So uh, then his his his, his uh, hitting coach Lee Ilya was was my first hitting coach that got me to the All Star game. So you know it was a little rough, but you know I still kind of respect what they how they you know helped mold me into a player. 
I mean, and you got to evolve as a player throughout your tenure in Tampa Bay, too, because what was it 2008? And this might be a dumb question because I've actually never looked it up. Uh, and you being the franchise player that you were at the time in that organization, why did they go from the Devil Rays to the Rays? Oh, I think they just wanted to take the devil off, you know? <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't, Richard. That's a good question. I think that's what it was. They just wanted to go to the Rays, take the devil off. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever, for whatever reason, it worked because we was in the in the World Series the next year or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, how was that 2008 season? I mean, you're there from 2002 through 2007, and it, it was a, a rocky road for you guys. The devil Rays were... Yeah. A, a very, I don't want to call them like the punching bag of the AL East, but no, it was, we no, we was losing a hundred games a year. You yeah. know, Joe Madden came in and he just kind of flipped the whole, uh, the whole culture over there as far as like the thought process, just being positive all the time, thinking positive for the first time. You know, I, you know, I never thought like that. And it just, you just saw it like just, you just saw everything just kind of switch overnight. It was really amazing because I didn't think he had a chance, you know, but uh, he came in with the with the perfect energy, the good energy, all that, all that after the game yeah. and the clubhouse party and stuff. Yeah, we was all first to do that stuff. You know, he brought it in. He had this loose mentality. He made it loose where, you know, uh, he didn't want you after 15 minutes. He, he called it a cool down after 15 minutes. You know, you, you know, 15 minutes out of the game, you can be as mad as you want. But after that, just go and let, the, let it go and we go on to the next game. And, you know, that just seemed to work. You know, that's the, the positive energy you brought. So when, when all that clicks in 2008 and you guys win the AL pennant, for, first of all, how was that experience like, given all that you went through through the first six years in the organization? How was it winning the AL pennant? I finally started winning because, you know, like, you know, they Yankees and the Red Sox just, just beat up on us all the time. Then we got some young pitching, and I think we got a guy in the trade with Garza who was a cat. We had Scott Kazman, Scott Shields, yeah. Matt Garza. Uh, some more guys, you know, um, but, you know, we was all pretty much, think about that team was just everybody was so young. So it was like, it was just like a, like a fun day every day. You know what I'm talking about? Just with, imagine like a bunch of 20, 25 year olds just having, having free will to do whatever all the time. <laughs> And then and competing in your first World Series at that time. I mean, growing up as a little kid, I mean, you dream of big moments like that. What's it like hitting a home run in, in, in a World Series game? Well, that's great because, like you said, it's, that's always something that you practice in the front yard yeah. with your playing, you know, counting, three-two count, you know, two outs, all that stuff. So uh, the fact that I can say I have a couple of home uh, World Series home runs is just one of those things that, um, you know, you always want it when you play Little League Baseball. You always want, everybody want to hit a home run in the World Series. And playing in Tampa Bay for uh, uh, those eight, nine seasons that you were there, I mean, Tampa Bay, small market. You go from playing in Tampa Bay with their fans to Boston and L.A. where, you know, I guess from a, a fan perspective, the, the expectation is a lot higher than it would be in Tampa Bay. Yeah. How much of a culture shock was that playing for those two organizations afterwards? Well, going, to, going to Boston, you know, I played over there a lot, so I thought I kind of knew, you know what I'm saying, what it was like. But when I got there, it was totally different, you know. Um, and, you know, you can understand, they real passionate about their team and, you know, um, just the whole, you know, being in the cold weather all the time, the East Coast, the fans right on you, like it was, it was, it was, it was tough. So uh, I wasn't able to adapt to it and, you know, got traded to L.A. and, you know, then things kind of got a little bit better 
But then I started getting injured a lot, you know, and that's what happened with that. But as far as when I got to Dodger Stadium, you know, I mean, that's the West Coast. So, of course, everybody loves that place. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, what do you think personally in 2011? Because they brought you in, they bring in uh, Adrian Gonzalez as well. Yeah. I mean, the pitching staff, phenomenal, a ton of talent. What do you think personally just, like, didn't add up in that 2011 season? I mean, everybody remembers uh, the collapse towards the I, end of the year and all that. Yeah. When you get those kind of contracts, the pressure is enormous, you know. So, and then you already got the pressure that you play with being in Boston. So, um, we had, we had, we, I mean, we were still doing well at the end, and um, we just kind of lost it towards the end. I don't know, really know why, because we was we was doing well, you know, up to that point. But um, just a, it's just a lot of pressure. It's just a lot of pressure up there when you when you play. And was that a uh, – is this a fact or a myth, the whole starting rotation, eating chicken wings, uh, drinking beer in, in between games? I mean, that story just came up. You know, I guess it was true. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I found that to be true. So, and it was Popeye's right by the stadium. So. <laughs> oh, interesting. That, I mean, I would fall into that too, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, for you personally, what, what do you think just didn't uh, click in Boston after so much success in Tampa Bay? I'm sure. Like I said, I just think it was it was a totally different for me for us. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like the coaches seeing a new city. You know, I've been in Florida 12 years, new city. Um, like I said, the pressure was was, was enormous. It's, it's, so many, it's like everything went wrong for me there. Like nothing went right for me there. And it was just unfortunate because, you know, um, hadn't you know, I wanted to deliver for that city. But for whatever reason, I just couldn't get comfortable there. Um couldn't get going at the plate, couldn't couldn't do nothing pretty much. And uh, it showed, it showed terribly. And, um, you know, just it's one of those things you just have to live with. And do, you, do you think if things turned out better for you personally, it would result in a much better relationship with the team and the fans? Uh, what you mean personally, like like far as the, uh, at the plate or just yeah. playing? So like if you if you were to uh, play play a little better, and obviously injuries led to that as well. If everything went like perfect case scenario, in a sense, do you think it would have been a, a lot smoother transition and a lot smoother relationship with the organization and the fans? Oh yeah, I mean playing well always solves all, every problem. So you know when you play well, it's it's no problem. You play it's it's real simple. You play good. Everything's good. You play bad, everything's bad. Just, that's it. <laughs> and, in, and in the the 2012 season, obviously you had your fair share of injuries. But I've asked right. you a few guys on that of Red Sox roster what it was like uh, playing for Bobby Valentine. And for the most part, it was all negative stuff. I wanted to ask you in the short time that you actually played for the guy, was it just difficult playing for an old school manager like that? Was his personality just? I mean, you know, he wasn't. For him, really, you know, it wasn't. I don't know. He came. He got hired to be like the 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 guy to come in and tell us what to do. You know, like the big. He got he got hired to be the, like the sheriff to come in and police the place or do whatever. But you know, it's just he just doing his job or whatever. I ain't really have nothing uh, negative to say about him because he didn't do nothing to me. You know, but um, right. most part, he I, I I I I took him as he was coming in to. You know, later louder on and, you know, fix the problem that we had for the year before. I mean, I definitely feel that with Francona in 2011 as well. I mean, you mentioned Joe Madden, what um, a, a culture change that was getting to play for him in the latter years in Tampa Bay. And then you got Don Mattingly in L.A. as well. Who was, who was the best manager that you played for? The best manager I played for was hands down uh, Joe Madden. 
know. Yeah. That um, you know what I'm saying? It's just the the energy. I think it's just the energy that this brain to you, real smart guy, real intelligent guy can answer any question you ask him, you know, and um, make you not feel some type of way about it with the answer, you know. So, but for the most part, like I say, I, I just to see what he did, you know, with my own eyes, like that. I don't think nobody has ever brought that type of feeling upon you. Know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. it's, oh man. Now he was doing uh, like all those uh, like gimmick things like uh, traveling with the team like in costumes and stuff was he doing that all the way back in, in the tampa bay days were you guys dressing up every now and then hey we that's where you brought it over them yeah. they started all that stuff you know they were doing that and dressing up and you know have certain day you might have a jersey day or texas day you know see when i left when i got traded i heard they were doing techno dancing in the room and like all kind of crazy stuff so um yeah, he definitely about that. And like I say, when it when it first comes, like you, you don't really, um, you ain't too sure about it yet because it seems kind of cheesy. But once you realize, you know what I'm saying, for the overall team thing, that uh, you know it translates to wins, then you know that's the that's the that's the only that's the main thing. So yeah. Bro, yeah. So are you still involved uh, in baseball? Obviously, your family's tied to it. Your son's playing now. Uh, are you involved in any way, shape, or form in Major League Baseball in any sense? Uh, no, nah, not right now. But like you say, my son is, you know what I'm saying, he's going up. So um, I'll be monitoring his situation because I know I have to get back in it then. But for the most part, I want to take a break from baseball and just kind of, you know, do what I'm doing right now. And, you know, like I said, I have an older son. A couple more sons coming up, so we'll see. And the last thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go, I don't want to take too much of your time here, but uh, given uh, for the amount of time that you played Major League Baseball, making the change over to the record label and the music industry, having to deal with all of those relationships, uh, what do you think has been your key to kind of maintaining a successful business uh, uh, partnership, even in baseball, like as a player, uh, going to the music industry as well, maintaining those healthy relationships while also maintaining a personal uh, satisfaction and happiness. Because again, it's not a very easy thing to do on any level for anybody. So I kind of wanted to get your glimpse on how you're able to maintain a, a positive mindset and stay uh, happy, which is the number one thing overall. Uh, I just, I just, I, cause I know where I'm trying to go still, you know, so far as, um, I just keep in sight of where I'm trying to go and move in the future. So whoever I have to, you know, I know I'm gonna have to deal with certain people to get where I want to go. And even far as trying to get my son to where he want to go. So I try to keep, um, I try to keep everything good with people that I need to, you know, and far as when I meet new people, I try to, you know, stay, stay in good graces with them so that we can, I can always, call on somebody if I need something or ask a question about something or, you know, um, baseball, if my son got a question about something or he's going to a camp, I can call this guy. And then the music, you know, if I just, you know, need to somebody for whatever, I just try to keep everything cordial with everybody. And is that kind of like the biggest piece of advice that you uh, like want to lead by example for your kids in that sense? Like you mentioned your son uh, going through the game right now and through that whole process that you went through many years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that the thing that uh, you want to look to uh, inspire him and lead him in the right direction? So his transition is as smooth as possible. 
Right. Um, well, on him, I just tell him he just knows to keep working hard, keep doing the things that he's been doing. He's has my talent, so he's he's probably gonna even be better than me right now looking at it. So, uh, you know, he just knows to keep what he's doing. I switch lanes because my, my kids has to know that we, yeah, we can play sports, but you know what I'm saying? You can do other things. You, they have to see that we can do other things other than just play sports because that's what people would like to tag you with. Like just, right. okay, you baseball player, you know, no, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? I can do this and I can do that. So I have to lead the example for us playing sports, you know, when you're done doing something else, it might not be music for him, but you know, it might be something else, but he just needs to know all my kids need to know that you're capable of not of doing whatever you put your mind to. Right. I mean, like you said that perfectly, like you're not a brand, you're a human being. And like, yeah. there's so much more to you after uh, your first love, which was obviously baseball. So uh, right. Carl, thanks for being so generous enough to take time out of your day to talk to me. You got the, the free community Thanksgiving dinner on Monday. Uh, that's yep. September 23rd. I want to thank Onyx as well for setting this up. She's been very patient right. over these past few days. And uh, I hope you guys are staying safe and happy Thanksgiving. All right, man. Same to you, bro. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Aw, oh, dude. She's totally gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.